Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <coughs> Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings, come on in, welcome, it's another edition of Thank you. 
shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Aboru, Aboye, Aboshishe, Ashe, Mia Ebo Richarun, Mia Ebo be accepted, Mia Ebo allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe. Divine all blessed greetings and salutations, one and all, individually, collectively, Universally, you are now sitting live with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokor, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic, from a Pan-African Hudu world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, my reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. All of the blessing is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my teaching, my walk, my work, and my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. All of the blessing is indeed where I begin and end and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. Greetings and salutations. I am so humbled, honored, and appreciative by my co-hosts and my guests and my visitors and my listeners and my viewers who take the time out of the middle of your day to be present here with the Divine Prince. House of Divine Prince, Thai Potions, Hootie Central, 
and of course my, my powerful and 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 beloved cousins who also join me here in the middle of their, of their day, Oloye, Ifawole, Oladechi, Ifatunde, and the many others who, whatever time uh, schedule you're, not time schedule, whatever time zone you're in in the world, I'm always grateful and humbled by your taking the time out to be present here with us in this shared sacred space. And let me not neglect my fans. Indeed, I am most appreciative of my fans. My long-term listeners know that's code word. For indeed, they hear every word. They see every movement. They're observing every action, every detail. And and without them, my numbers would not be what they are. (laughs) And for without them spreading the word um, and inviting others to, to view and partake, uh, I wouldn't have such a strong platform. So I'm grateful for my friends, my family, my supporters, those who are doing the work, our godchildren collectively within our communities, our ELAs, our houses, our ministries. And, of course, I am honored by my second cousin <laughs> who just joined us and hit her Facebook momentarily, the beloved Otan Ifatomiwa. I'm grateful for you, and I'm, I'm appreciative. And, and I think it's important that I let you know this, this show is being viewed all over the world. This audio backup that goes to Blog Talk Radio is being listened to all over the world, not just in the motherland and in, in those communities that, that we believe ourselves to be familiar with, but communities outside of the motherland. You know, that, that still amazed me each and every day that they speak our language, understand our language, understand the spirit that's, you know, being shared here in this shared sacred space. And I say it's a shared sacred space because it's, it's created and recreated each and every day by choice, by will, by desire, in some cases by need. Many are being fed. Others are being confirmed and held up. Others are being taught something new, you know. And so we create this shared sacred space by by being present and bringing our energy and participating in the show topic and using the phone lines at 845-277-9143 and, of course, sharing your uh, messages of love and support and questions and commentary in the chat. All is acceptable. Just be respectable. I think we all can agree to that. So welcome um, on the advice of, of the beloved Iga Otan. Um, we, we're kind of doing a part two to this topic of spirit and spirit phenomenon. Um, I, I did add a, a colon um, dreams and visions. And indeed, we can talk a little bit more about dreams and visions and our experiences, you know, around that, if you will. But, of course, the topic is always open to, you know, helpful, um, needed, edifying discussion um, from both the chat rooms in Block Talk Radio, but also here at YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, and all the people who can access this uh, StreamYard um, chat. So I'm going to open the mic to, to my cousin, give myself a chance to uh, get a little bit of hydrated, 
Um, I'm sort of in the dream and vision state. I, I don't know if you saw the documentary that I showed before the show. Uh, I hope that answered many questions some of you might have around sort of the quantum metaphysical scientific, you know, foundation for much of what we've been discussing and, and sharing. Indeed, not only the U.S. government um, has done all sorts of research into telepathy, thought projection, um, being able to sort of scry or remote view is the, is the terminology, other locations, other government facilities in other countries. But we also know that those same sort of uh, experiments were done in Asia, uh, were done in, in Germany and, and in Russia and many you know parts of the world. And I think it's an interesting thing that we somehow see science as a conflict to, you know, the power of our ancestors. I think it's more miraculous that our ancestors were able to demonstrate and live this science uh, without necessarily having the words, you know, or the formulas that we, you know, that we've come, you know, to know today. But when we look at the great monuments, the great mounds, the, the great and created sacred spaces, you know, of the world, Indeed, they understand something bigger than themselves, something higher than, than humanity, something higher than even Earth and our existence on Earth. And so I've always saw dreams and then to some degree even visions uh, as a gateway into not only other dimensional spaces, but also God's way, spirit's way, sometimes even our ancestors' way of giving us a glimpse into, you know, heaven or other places in the universe or, or the ability to see ourselves, uh, if we believe the prophets in some of these magical books, uh, in the future tense, or, or having made some adaptation of that which is presented to us in the dream or the vision. So, so at a very basic level, um, my understanding and my teaching has always been that we aren't allowed these glimpses for entertainment. We aren't allowed these glimpses just to scare us or just to, you know, give us pleasure, you know, in, in the temporary. There's always some deeper meaning, some deeper message going on in the receiving of dreams and visions and the interaction with spirit and spiritual phenomenon that returns us to, to who we really are. And who are we really, uh, Oloye? Gods. <clears throat> we are gods. That is correct. We are. We are. A, 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 whatever spiritual tradition you follow, I believe that there are similar texts that speak to us being a divine replication of God. Even in, as we speak of the various names of, of the Orisha, which are divine manifestations of Alurumari himself. And then we go maybe into Islam with the 99 attributes of, of Allah. And we speak of Christ with the various names that they might have for Christ. So when I look at Orisha, I look at Orisha as divine manifestations of Alurumari that manifest within us. And that as we draw, we draw that energy out, we, we, we then uh, have a closer attachment to, to spirit. 
true to the matter, through, through our attachment and our, our relationship with Orisha. But let me also share a, a, a quick uh, prayer to Rumila, as today is Oshefa, Oshef. Aje, the daughter of Oloku, uh, as well as we also give uh, give offering to Eshu. Eshu can be given any of the days as well. And of course, Ayo Ori is to be given any day, any time, no matter how much you want to give uh, uh, reverence to your own Ori, your own divinity, the holder of your destiny. So,
dreams for us are very, very important. Some of us have deep dreams. Some of them it skips us and hits our children instead. But, you know, it's according to how you relate. For some of us, it might be when we meditate, we're seeing certain things. It might not be the dream, but it might be when we're meditating, we're sitting there quietly, that we see visions of what, uh, what, what spirit has for us to, to know or to what were desires for us to, to, to do or to see, all of that. So just, just a little bit to help hopefully get us started as well in, in, in the direction of communication and, and the journey for today. You know, don't be afraid of your dreams. Don't be afraid of your dreams. And even, the, you know, the great magical book says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. And so we know the power of dreams and visions have been a part, an integral part of many um, traditions and cultures and practices since the beginnings of time. And how then do we differentiate between what is a dream, what is a vision? And just a quick sidebar, um, I believe, cousin, that we all have dreams. I, I believe our ability to remember them or to capture them can be altered by a series of things, um, our, our sleeping patterns, uh, what, what stressors, you know, we might be dealing with, you know, in life. Uh, people who tend to be workaholics and, and whose minds tend to go like mine 24 hours a day um, I often don't go into realm sleep, you know. I have to really make a concerted effort to go into realm sleep, sleep for very long periods of time. Uh, and, and sometimes I have to work my way up to it. You know, I get a little bit more rest today. I get a little bit more rest tomorrow. And then maybe by that third day, um, you know, I go into what, what we call that deep sleep, you know, where you don't get out of bed for several hours and, and, and you're deep under and bring that information back. Um, similar to you, I was taught that, that that unknown realm, you know, was the realm of Olakun, uh, Mamiwata, uh, many other deities that I could I- invoke right now who represent the depths of mystery and the unknown. And, and, and in some cases, that which is unknown, even still to humanity, uh, we realize that even science doesn't quite know you know, what's at the bottom of the sea beyond a certain depth, doesn't have the equipment to handle the pressure, the force, you know, to provide the oxygen, you know, if if they're going to take a human down, don't even have the equipment that could, you know, extend uh, life under that kind of pressure. And so there's a realm of not just outer space that's, you know, ignorant to humanity, but even inner space that's ignorant to humanity. I remember growing up in the days when they said we only use 70% of our, our brain. And even as a child, I wondered what did that mean? You know, what, what was hiding? What was, what was harboring in that part of our consciousness that we supposedly, you know, aren't accessing? Uh, science has updated that to some degree, but there's still a, a great deal of unknown skill and ability that I believe we've inherited 
even in the evolutionary process of becoming humans that have now, you know, melded, amalgamated into our sensibilities, our ability to tap spirit, to go in and out of spirit, to be sensitive to energy, energy changes, um, vibrational changes. And these are things that we inherit, you know, first from nature. Uh, in the conversation of spirit and spirit phenomenon, I, I believe there's also, along with Loa and Orisha and, and powerful uh, deities and, and, and the like, I also believe that there's that which exists in nature, those spirits that exist in water, that exist in the trees and in the earth and in the plants, that, it, that exist in the air, that, that exist in the elements of fire that make up creation. And these powers and forces are also able to sort of interact with us, uh, sometimes directly and, and other times through dreams. And I, and I believe that dream language is as unique and individual as humanity is. And that's why I strongly suggest, strongly suggest keeping a journal. Learning your own spirit language, how does spirit speak to you, a fish representation in my dream may not mean the same in Oton's dream, might not mean the same in, in, in Oloye's dream, might not mean the same in, in, in Tony Bell's dream. We grew up in that period when it was said, you know, if a woman dreamt about fish, somebody in the house was pregnant. And, you know, we found that to, to be quite true. But I've also found that those symbolic representations have transformed from individual to individual, family to family, even through the changing of culture, tradition, how we live, um, the Orisha, the powers in the spirit realm are constantly elevating and then elevating us to higher octaves of, of understanding. So I, I want to talk more about, about dreams, visions, the, the power of those dreams and visions to not only uh, influence our thinking and, and our decision making and and confirmation of our being in tune, if you will, with with spirit, but also understand how we create and recreate our reality. You know, also by using these tools and, and applying these these tools. Uh, one more thing, old time, before I pass the mic. Um, I remember even as a child, what probably one of my earliest memories. Um, when me and Rapani were growing up, was our ability to sort of get in a chair. At that time, it was leather. And we had leather, not pleather, leather. Okay, we had a leather couch. You know, we had a, a huge leather recliner, which everybody would sort of uh, compete for. You know, that was sort of like the rocket ship chair. Uh, and, and we would, you know, sit quietly because our mom believed in meditation, even, even as a child. You know, sometimes your child children are bouncing off the walls and, you know, they'd run out of things to do, you know. My mom would either say create something, read or study something, but then there were times she would say sit quiet and meditate. So we would sit quiet and meditate, you know, might have some music in the background, but we were able to rock ourselves spontaneously, innocently, intuitively, as children of three, four, five, six, and seven into a, a, a unified trance state. It, it wasn't like we were both in a sort of this separate reality. We could rock ourselves into this unified trance state 
and then visit the little children on the other side of the world, which is often China, Japan, Korea, you know, which, again, as kids, you know, we thought was interesting. We didn't realize how weird that appeared, you know, to other people who who heard that story and and understood that we were telling that story as a part of our, our reality. But then now with the technology of DNA and then finding out I have sort of this connection to Asia and, and Asiatic communities, you know, it, it makes a, a, a whole nother level of sense to me as a child. But that's the earliest thing that I can remember in terms of having any controlled, lucid control in, in a dream state or in a, in a vision state. And for those who aren't familiar, lucid is when you're not just dreaming, but you're conscious that you're dreaming, even in that state. And, and therefore, you can make choice and decision and, and movement and action that typically, you know, we're sort of disconnected from, you know, when we go into the, to the dream state. I, I believe often our dreams that come when we're sleeping come because we can't necessarily respond or react right away. And some of those things that might be harder for us to uh, sort of piece together in our consciousness, in our waking state, you know, will often come, you know, through our dreams. So there's a complicated, you know, uh, series of information, downloads, you know, uh, reviewals of experiences, past and future, that we encounter interdimensionally, but while we're uniquely in, in the dream state, as the indigenous Americans call it, you know, or in some sort of trance or possession state. I know I said a whole lot, Otan, but greetings, beloved. Come on in. My cousin as well and family watching and listening. I also want to give respect and greetings to my Aluru. Um, I agree with um, all that has been said so far. Um, I would also like to add, um, in addition to dreams being messages and things that we need to be aware of and things that are being brought to us, we also need to be mindful of um, the mindset that we're in before preparing for bed to include the energy that you're allowing yourself to absorb what you're exposing your ori to, such as if you watch television, things that you're watching, if you watch the news, and we all know the news is uh, death, mayhem, and destruction, and then like five seconds before it goes off, oh, look, a puppy, and then it goes off. But everything before that was all trauma. So we have to be mindful um, those, you know, yeah, some people that like watching daily movies or action movies, we have to be mindful of the energy we surround ourselves in before we prepare for that because all of that will play a factor in our dreams, what happens, what doesn't happen. It, it can have an effect on it. Um, so that is something also to keep in mind. Um, there have been lucid dreams. Um, I have I have had uh, several lucid dreams. That is something I would say that uh, a person needs to get used to because the first lucid dream I ever had was absolutely out of control. 
and I didn't like it at all. So we we have to understand one that we have to be uh, careful where our mindset is, and also to to remove all elements or illusions of fear because that can also have an effect. Again, it all plays on our mindset. So we have to be mindful of that and where we allow our energy to go before we take rest for the evening and also to pray, to ask that our mind be set right and in a manner in which we can receive that which we're supposed to receive if we have been watching the news or watch some kind of film, but to be mindful to care for our energy before taking rest. Absolutely. I think that uh, should be sort of our natural health regimen for our body. Because, you know, we might, you know, you know, soak our teeth at night and brush our teeth before we go to bed or, you know, put on your your face cream or your mask, you know, but I, I don't think we are even taught outside of spirituality and religion um, and, and ATR practice to take inner measurements that are also about exercise, about health, about wellness, about, you know, taking care for um, and I like how you talked about being mindful of what you're listening to and digesting before you go to bed. And, and that's, that's, just, that's not just movies and TV and, 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 and entertainment, you know, beloved. You know, that's also our work. You know, many of you are taking your work to bed. You might be police officers or attorneys or, or RNs or other medical professionals or educators, um, um, safe house you know, operators. These are all the people that I talk to on a regular basis. People who have tenants, you know, that they're dealing with in all of their drama. And so what Otan just said about that becoming a part of your wellness, I think I added wellness routine, um, is very important. I remember having an experience, I don't know, back in my 20s maybe. Uh, Even today I sleep with some kind of sound on at night. And for me, it is about white noise. It is about distracting one part of my consciousness, which allows me, you know, to sort of rest. Um, And it's an interesting thing because, you know, the TVs now, the smart TVs now have timers on them, you know, and they go off. The second it goes off, you know, I'm woke. You know, I'm woke. So uh, when I was a kid, it was the radio, you know. Uh, then we moved to TV and, and color TV and, and, and cable. And, of course, cable would provide music channels or very specialized, you know, channels that you could sort of tune your TV on. And this one particular time I had gone to sleep, and somehow now the movie The Exorcist was on. And I've seen The Exorcist, I don't know, thousands of times. Um, and, no, it wasn't The Exorcist. It was Psycho. It was Psycho. I woke up and Psycho was on the TV. The woman was in the shower scene. You know, the music is going. The the knife is is flying. And I saw, even in that moment, that connection between what I had been dreaming and thinking about just before I woke up and what was, you know, now, you know, on, on TV. Even commercials, you know, disturbed my spirit to some degree. Even if I'm fully woke, you know, I tend to mute or, or move. And some, some of you all do the same thing, move on to other channels uh, during commercials, particularly pre- predictable commercials. I've, I've seen them before. I already know how they feel. 
I already know what kind of energy, you know, I, I, I experience, you know, when I expose myself, you know, to those commercials. And, yes, those things can absolutely affect your dreams, your vision, your, your tool as a body to connect to spirit and into the spirit realm. Also, what we eat is important. You know, Grandma used to say, you know, you can't eat sweets and, and lay down on it. Or you can't eat greasy foods and, and lay down on it. You can't eat heavy food. And, we, you know, we thought that was just old wives' tales or just something Grandma says, you know. But, but in their own, you know, innocent, simplified way, it, it spoke to being conscious of what we're eating and then laying down on. And our body takes a great deal of energy to digest. By the way, I think uh, my cousin OEA talked about that uh, the other day. That um, you know we're eating all this heavy food right before we lay down, and you, and your body is not sleeping; it's giving all that energy into digesting. And so, digesting really should be something that we do, you know, during the waking state. You know, before you lay down for the night, go down, you know, for the count, whatever time of day your schedule might be. And think about, you know, what we're eating and expecting to fuel not just our bodies, but our dreams, our spirits, um, our, our, our visions. I find that the diet that I eat today, which is, um, I'm going to use an official term here, flexitarian. I'm a flexitarian, which means I primarily eat vegan, vegetarian for the most part, but I'm not necessarily scared of chicken broth or I'm not necessarily scared of, you know, a dairy product on the occasion, but those aren't things that I, you know, eat every day. And so I found that not only my capacity to hold energy, not just my own, because in the case that you're a healer, a practitioner, a minister, you hold in other people's energy too. Um, and sometimes really otherwise negative things. You know, things that make people sad, things that make people cry, things that make people emotional, things that people are concerned about, stressed up, you know, about. Um, my oldest client, 86 years old, caught COVID, you know, and we all kind of went through the COVID thing with her, you know, a, a few months back, you know, wor- being worried about her survival, you know, praying for intercession from, from, from the spirits and, and from the ancestors. So uh, what we eat, how we Go about our wellness maintenance when it comes to preparing for bed, being conscious of what's on in the room, uh, being conscious of those things that wake you up at night, you know, that we could turn off or turn down or unplug, you know, that would otherwise interfere with our ability to not only dream, oh, yay, and I know I said a lot, (laughs) but to remember, you know, our dreams, and even particularly as, as adults and then bring that forward. Sometimes writers describe that as writer's block, you know, and we don't question often, well, what do they mean by that? You know, because their ability to write or ability to paint or create is often coming from the dream state. It's often coming from their ability to transcend, you know, inter intradimensional space. Uh, a, a musician, to some degree, has to hear the song, has to feel the rhythm, might in their imagination need to see and hear and experience the final product 
before they can then bring that to paper, transcribe mm-hmm. it to paper, and then, you know, transcribe it, you know, to instrument. Mm-hmm. And, um, even those who
what they call what this crown chakra. Yeah. And they're praying for you, or the third eye, and they're praying for you. Have you ever felt the power of these ancestors, of the elders' prayers? Yeah. And how they absolutely can, can you, you feel a whole energetic difference when those ancestors who are truly walking in alignment with their spirit, with their inner divine consciousness, it changes you. And they but you don't know the download that they're putting into you. Yes, and they can confer that energy upon people, places, and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I indeed believe a, a, a person, place, or thing can be blessed, uh, anointed, mm-hmm. just as well as it can be, it can be cursed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that opens another conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Area code 951. Area code 951. Thank you so much for being with us. Your hand is raised. Who's calling and where are you calling from? Uh, this is Neo, Neo I Bocor. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Greetings, beloved. <laughs> Greetings, everybody. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to chime in on this. Um, I really wanted to jump in on the webcam, but uh, for some reason it just wasn't working for me um, again, so uh, I decided to go ahead and call in real quick. Um, uh, with this topic, it is um, great to get into because it opens up – uh, realms of science, if we bother to look into it, it'd be um, fascinating to see if we can tie in some of these interconnections with, um, I believe the study is quantum, uh, quantum biology. A lot of people understand or have some small semblance of an understanding of quantum physics, uh, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily get into quantum biology and the inroads that science is making on understanding that um, that area of study, uh, mainly because of what advances they're making with understanding uh, magnetics, with um, birds, navigation, flies, um, navigation system, how they are able to migrate from one place to another, and how that ties into string theory and their, the, how their brains are structured, which helps us understand how our brains are, are, are structured. It's fascinating um, when you start really thinking about um, the electricity that scientists don't necessarily have a name for it, but our ancestors called it the spirit or the soul or the duat or the kaba. Um, mm. We have um, different names for it, but as far as mainstream science, they don't like using those those names or words and terminology. But it's clear that our ancestors had a great understanding of this uh, this energetic realm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that we call that we call the dream state. You know what's going on when you um, monitor the brain while you're dreaming. What's going on with the with the electric waves and things of that nature that are going on? Uh, what parts, what areas of the brain are are firing while while in this dream state? It's measurable on a magnetic level, mainly because you can't have um, one without the other. You can't have electricity without magnetism or gravity. So when we're looking at these um, these uh, similarities 
and we start expanding on that and look at the bigger picture where our planet does the same thing. It's just that it's so large, it's so massive that it just it just looks like a lightning storm or it looks like certain events um, in nature, right? So imagine, if you, if you will, the being involved in the dream of the planet, right? Stuck in a lightning storm, right? Uh, just my imagination uh, kind of wandering off into la-la land, like I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, even if you dive down into, like, say, tarot, um, and you start looking at the three different um, planes that the major arcana are divided into. Then you start looking at which cards are associated with the zodiac as they're in their separate planes. They're all divided up except for for the fire signs. Fire signs only exist on two planes, but clearly there's three planes that they're divided up into. So, you, you know, these fascinating things that even when you look at uh, uh, the, the tarot system itself is divided along these these uh, dream planes. So uh, I just want to throw that in there, just give like some food for thought for people to kind of like dissect, and maybe they didn't have a, 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 a inkling of this, and they can you know kind of dive into it and explore it. it it's really interesting. I certainly appreciate it, and. Um... You know, I always appreciate it coming from someone other than myself, uh, and particularly from people of various generations, uh, from various, you know, <coughs> excuse me, uh, places of understanding, <coughs> excuse me, about this topic. It's not um, new. It's indeed as old as the universe itself. I think the exploration of it is new um, in, in terms of where humanity is and it's uh, progression right now, and, and we're moved from this information age into this digital age, uh, which, like the movie The Matrix, you know, sort of gives us an introduction, a, a doorway into looking at life itself from a very different way. And I think it's hard to look at the magic, the voodoo, the, the ifa, and not look at the math, the science, the, the quantum met- metaphysics, the string theory that, that comes along with it. Uh, according to super string theory, there are at least 10 dimensions in the universe. M theory actually suggests there are 11 dimensions in space-time. What's called basonic string theory suggests there are 26 dimensions that exist at one time that allow us this reality that, that we believe or perceive that we are experiencing. Uh, the idea that this could just be a program or just be a, a dream in God's mind. Uh, I, I heard someone say that in, in a rap lyric uh, in the last 24 hours. You know, what if God woke up and all of this just disappeared, suggesting that this could indeed be a, a, a imaginary, imaginary creation even in the mind of the, of the creator or creators itself. So when we look at string theory and understand dimensional space, the first dimension being length any, or what's called X 
axis, a straight line with no other characteristics. The second would be height or the y-axis, which could be added to length to produce two-dimensional objects such as a, a triangle or a square. And then the third dimensional space being depth, depth or z-axis can be added to the previous two dimensions to produce objects that, that create volume, like a cube or a pyramid or a sphere. And, and we know and we understand through physical, archaeological proof that our ancestors understood this in, in some way, spoke this language in some way, recreated this, this basic, but it's not so basic, is it? This, this uh, physics, mathematical, scientific formula that our supposed advanced culture is, is still grappling with, but, but, but just now really beginning to, to break through to. Depth or z-axis can be added to the previous two dimensions to produce objects like volume, with volume, like a cube or pyramid or sphere or, or a box. And this is the end of the dimensions that are directly, physically perceivable by human beings. All the other dimensions are beyond the third are theoretical in terms of our human ability to sort of experience them. The fourth dimension would be time. Time inhabits a, a, a dimension unto itself. And, and, and the fourth dimension is the position in time occupied by a three-dimensional object, meaning time itself is relative to space. That's not why we now hear the term space-time. It's relative to where a, a, a three-dimensional object exists in space at any given time. Consider that all the, the spatial bodies are moving about. The planets are moving about. The stars, nothing is, is consistently in one space the, the way we sort of see it on a, on a two-dimensional map or, or, or in a picture. Everything is constantly moving vibrating, shifting, spinning around, following a predetermined, you know, sort of pattern. So time is relative to where a, a person, place, or thing uh, w with the first three dimensions um, where it exists at any given point. The fifth dimension represents possible worlds. The fifth dimension is a world slightly different from our own, from which we could measure similarities and differences to our own world. That's the fifth dimension. The sixth dimension, a plane of all possible worlds with some that have similar start conditions as our own. So that means there's a, a dimensional space where there's a plane of all possible worlds that can be imagined, that, that we can even think of particularly because they start with similar conditions upon which we understand or believe we understand our reality to have been born out of or created out of. The sixth dimension is a plane containing all possible universes with the same start conditions as ours, i.e. the Big Bang and similar, you know, math. So the seventh dimensional plane 
a plane of all possible worlds with different stark conditions than our own. The seventh dimension expands upon the sixth by plotting all possible worlds that begin with different stark conditions than our own. And quite possibly conditions that we might imagine, but uh, have not necessarily experienced, you know, ourselves. The eighth dimension, a plane of all possible worlds, each with different stark conditions, each branching out infinitely. So I know this is a lot to take in. The ninth dimension, all possible worlds, starting with all possible conditions and laws of physics, both known and unknown to us. And and this also explains why, you know, just maybe we have made contact with extraterrestrial beings. Maybe we have made contact with inter and intra dimensional beings, but, but don't quite yet have the science to mark that in time, to, to repeat that. Because science is about being able to duplicate something, repeat it, give it a set of laws, rules, and protocols that the next scientist can come behind and sort of recreate that same uh, process. But in each of these dimensions, which represent all possible start conditions, the laws of physics are completely different than the ones that we can imagine. The tenth dimension, infinite possibilities. At this level of complexity, everything is possible and imaginable. It, it, it exists somewhere in one of the other dimensional spaces. Those things that we worry about and worry about them to the point that they're very real for us, it's a real worry, it's a real concern, exist already in one of these dimensional spaces. Those things that we would imagine, that we would seek to be our reality or a part of our reality, already exist in one of these dimensional spaces. And of course, there are dimensional spaces that we can't envision, ain't in our memory. We weren't even thinking about that. We, we didn't even know that that was a possibility. We, we didn't even know that that was coming. Sometimes we refer to that as it, it came out of the blue. It came out of the left. And so we ask God having this spiritual experience as a part of natural reality, um, have the ability to not only see and perceive through our eye, through our dream eye, through our third eye, through our head, all possible realities, but we also have the ability to pull them in to the present to make them more and more a part of our present. And, and in my understanding, that that's what this game is. That's why we're here. That, that's what our purpose is. You know, my beloved Denise Augustine says, we're here to serve. And, and serve, because of, you know, the corruption of words, you know, takes on many lives for some of us when we hear serve or we hear submit or we hear humility or humble ourselves, you know, it has everything to do with what we've experienced and what we already believe and understand about ourselves to be true in relationship to those words. So when I say humility or humble or to submit or to be passive too, 
man, I'm talking about taking a, a position of, of authority beneath something so much bigger than myself, which is this creative universe, which is God, Olodumare, Mawolisa, you know, all the language that we have, again, to explain the multidimensional reality that God is. Um, so please, come on in. I don't want to be the only one dominating the conversation. Um, Project Oshun asks, do we find that fasting impacts dreams? Um, it absolutely can, and um, for more than one reason. Um, we've discussed this before, and, and some people aren't quite happy about my personal response to it. Um, I don't think fasting is quite natural to the body. Um, we need food to survive. We need food for energy. I think we've learned fasting through certain cultural nuances from East Asia, you know, the Middle East. Uh, we see fasting in Christianity and Islam now. Uh, of course, we see fasting uh, among monks. You know, it, it is said some monks fast until they, you know, turn into a mummy, until they mummify, um, have given up all connections to life and, and physicality in some way and, and turn their body, this is a real story now, and, and turn their body literally into a, a, a mummy. And then that is, you know, encased in something sacred, wrapped in something sacred. And then they use that, that priest's body, you know, almost like an amulet, you know, or a talisman of some sort. You know, uh, there are West African cultures that don't necessarily uh, watch a, a body be mummified naturally, but, uh, you know, when someone does pass, that, that body, those bones are taken and kept in a place of great honor. Uh, I can't think of one particular ethnic group right now that the men sort of create these crowns with these baskets on top, and, and, and the elders sit within the basket, the, the bones themselves. Uh, I've seen rituals in China where uh, burial, sacred burial grounds are, are unearthed every two or three years. And then the bodies are washed, or the bones are washed and, and redressed uh, and then returned, you know, to a sacred space. So, you know, it's just my personal opinion. I think fasting can aid spiritual growth and development, particularly uh, those of us in the West who might, you know, still be detoxing and weaning ourselves off of things that we don't need, foods we don't need, you know, vices and habits, you know, that we don't need um, that bring harm and, and, and toxins to the body. Fasting can absolutely be, you know, beneficial for that. Uh, but going without food can absolutely affect your dreams, your vision, um, but being careful about the balance of that thing. Uh, you can be dehydrated and, and see light and, and, and color, you know, as well as being, you know, hydrated and, and full and, and still being able to see, you know, visions and, and, and dream dreams and, and make a differentiation between the two. So, um, yeah, it definitely can affect, and I'm sure my co-hosts have their own opinions, you know, about fasting. Thank you, Dark Soju. Uh, I'm still a little bit uncomfortable with, with that whole idea, though it happens probably a lot more than people realize that they say that I'm in their dreams. 
I show up in their dreams. I've known since a young age I have the ability to project myself into people's dreams. So I never want people to think that I'm doing that, uh, particularly without, you know, permission, unless unless you mean me harm. Now, if you mean me harm and I'm showing up in your dreams, I probably am projecting. Uh, but, but I never want people to think that. So I don't talk about it a whole lot. Um, this is probably the first time I've ever talked about it out loud at all, uh, the idea of me showing up in people's dreams, me projecting myself into people's dreams, and how universal that is. I mean, people in France and Ireland and Iran and, and just remote parts of the other world who write me, email me, or call me and say that I was either teaching them something in their dream, protecting them from something in their dream, participating in some kind of ritual or ceremony in their dream. Uh, And in my own youth, you know, my early 20s, coming up in this this practice, in this tradition, particularly when I was in Chicago working with uh, Bahala, um, he, um, he and I with two or more gathered. He and I would visit rock shops, crystal shops, sacred spaces in, in the Chicago area together routinely. You know, then have go have coffee or, or, or then go have lunch. And we would see spiritual phenomenon take place, you know, all around us. But I remember during that season when we were spending almost every day together, um, having one particular dream. I'm in Mexico. I knew I was in Mexico. It was a knowing. It was a feeling. I was in Mexico. We were out in the middle of the desert. We had apparently gathered by choice from various parts of the world, and we created sort of this medicine wheel, this medicine circle. And we all stood at the perimeter of the circle. Some had instruments. Others had, had drums. Some were were speaking chants and vibrations that you could feel all the way to your bones. Um, and it was in a dream. Uh, Bahala was, was in the dream. So I've had dreams. I've had visions. Um, I've even had astral travel events, uh, flying events. During the Persian Gulf War, I would fly over the troops in my dream space, often sprinkling some kind of pixie dust, which at the time I didn't understand what was going on uh, until later many of them started coming back with these eye diseases, you know, and, and I then understood that I was protect, sprinkling some kind of protection, you know, on them to prevent them from, you know, attaching to whatever that, that um, germ warfare uh, was. So I appreciate the comments about the dreams. If I act a little weird, it's because it's still a little weird to me, even though I know it's happening. Um, I can't explain it entirely. Uh, so far, no one has had a negative repercuss- repercussion to the dream. Uh, so I pray Dark Soul Jua and, and um, the Goddess Initiative and, and, and many others that, that y'all understand. Uh, I get a, a dream letter at least one a day. Um, so sometimes it's off-putting, you know, and I begin to wonder, you know, what's going on that I'm showing up so frequently 
you know, in, in people's dreams. Okay, are you with us, beloved? Absolutely. I'm just listening to everything and enjoying it. Um, I will say that a lot of the times it may not always be. It, it again, goes to what you said about um, it being important to journal because the messages may not be clear. It may be things that we may consider strange. I'm so sorry you had my puppy in the background. <laughs> um, things that you, we may feel is strange, and then we take um, notes on it because as we read over it, we go back and revisit it over time, or we may see things that may happen in our lives that may actually make sense. And you don't have to apologize for the animals. Um, animals can be very in tune. Mm-hmm. To just kind of figure out what's what's going on, you know, it could be somebody lurking outside your house, and and the animal is responding. So, you know, take get, let them get some air, some some water. Maybe you know, let them out in the yard for a quick minute, just to kind of figure out, you know, what the dog might be sensitive to. We had a number of dogs growing up. And let me say, my dad had the worst relationship with dogs. So we had dogs that would climb the fence, 12-foot fence, would seek to escape. Um, You know, one dog hung itself during a a thunderstorm, you know, scratched its way, somehow got the basement door open, and then closed the door on on itself. You know, um, Mm. yeah, and and I I understood even as a kid that it had everything to do with the energy. That my dad uh, showed in the house. <clears throat> my mom had what you might call a black thumb, so every mm-hmm. plant would die. No, no house plants would would live, you know, in, in our house growing up. So y'all hear me talk about abuse, but but it was it was wickedness in my house. It, it was evil in that house, um, you know, and, and that's why I like and enjoy opening up these conversations about spirit and spiritual phenomenon. Um, we always knew that something lived sort of in the rafter uh, of our house. And at some point, um, me and my sister were probably shared upstairs. She had one half and I had one half as, as small children. And, and I guess around puberty, uh, she got moved to the first floor, you know, um, and then I had the whole entire upstairs um, to myself. Uh, and and. I want y'all to pay attention to moves like that in your house, too, by the way, Um, my sister. Pay attention to moves like that. Um, This downstairs guest room was right next to their bedroom uh, and and subsequently became a a problem uh, moving forward, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, So without having a witness or or the security of of the two of us being on the same floor, it then subsequently made both of us vulnerable uh, as children. But that's a whole other story. But as a child, I always knew that there was something evil in the house, in the rafters of the house, in the wall of the house. Uh, we probably had to attend to the insulation in that house at least twice. Uh, I think once a, a tree fell on our house and, and damaged part of the roof, and, and we had to redo it. Probably the first time we did it, it, it was just probably a part of the upgrade, you know, of, of the house. But those were two unique occasions that, you know, I, I, I remember being in the rafters of the house and being made to spend time in the rafters of the house. 
uh, that was one of my duties, you know, when I came home from school was to go upstairs and 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 staple down, you know, this uh, this insulation. And, and any of the men and, and or women in the audience who know anything about insulation, you know, skilled people get paid to do insulation. You, you don't get a 12-year-old kid, you know, to, to staple insulation. So, so my dad was off the chart, you know, wicked. Uh, and, and having said that, some people in the family, you know, for years, suggested that there was some black magic going on, if there was some root work going on, you know, even in the uh, securing my mother and and marrying her and maintaining the relationship in those dynamics among his family, it was rumored that something, you know, was being done or or manipulated. He was also, if this matters to any of you, a 33rd. He was also a 33rd. So people also thought that there was something, you know, within the the knowledge, you know, of, of Masonic, you know, orders that also played into sort of this heightened hyper energy that existed around around us. Not just abuse, you know, and tragic, but the sort of this evil footprint. Um, and so I was able to dominate it, not have it dominate my life. Um, at a very young age, but I also was able to do journaling and, and keeping up with the chart that, and I've said this on previous shows before, that some of the craziest events um, for the country um, have often happened with me being in that city at the time. Um, some of the biggest earthquakes in Los Angeles, you know, in the last 40 years, I was in L.A. at the time that the earthquake came. You know, one of the biggest hurricanes to hit and devastate, you know, our country in, in over a century. I was in New Orleans at the time. You know, that's the kind of footprint that I'm talking about. So I, I believe that not only do there exist within nature uh, spirits, powers, nymphs, gnomes, whatever you want to call them, elves, fairies, uh, and in, in any world language that exists to not only sort of assist humanity, but to also impede humanity and play little games and tricks on humanity and and cause us to sort of question, you know, sometimes our own belief, our our own sense of understanding, you know, of reality at any time. And how under those conditions as a kid, I was able to still see light at the end of the tunnel. I can't explain it to you. Other than it was very real for me. The voodoo was very real for me from the youngest of ages. And so I knew that no matter what I was enduring, what I was up against, what kind of darkness was being, you know, demonstrated before us, that it had ultimately a, a, re, a reasoning that led to my personal empowerment, my personal growth, my personal protection and, and, and defensive uh, mechanisms. I had dreams of that house where, you know, the rooms would elongate, almost like a horror movie, and would open up and would expand, and and my bed would get farther and farther away from the window than than what was normal. You know, and as a kid, you know, is that a dream? Is that a vision? Is that a poltergeist? 
You know, is that some sign of, of, of a mental health condition? And I think the further we get from childhood, um, the more that plays on the mental health aspect of who we are. Because we live in a world that, that erases that out of us, that tries to remove that kind of creativity out of us, that tries to shut down imagination, that tries to shut down um, spiritual empowerment. Uh, if you were listening while I was talking about the dimensional spaces, um, I've always made a correlation between that and why, generally speaking, we only talk about the seven chakras. Um, those within some range that we can affect some change, growth, and development from. But those dimensional spaces, eight, nine, ten, and quite possibly 26, where realities exist that don't mirror our understanding, that don't mirror what we know to be real. I think there's a great deal of fear and power associated with humanity tapping those levels of consciousness. We look at our martyrs. I'm sorry, I'm going to let you in, Neophyte. Our martyrs in society, uh, religious, spiritual martyrs, you know, we're talking about people who somehow ascended, transcended the basic seven chakras, begin to see the future, begin to show, show signs of the spirit. You know, even in the Bible, y'all have a list of signs of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, signs that, that suggest that either God is with you, spirit, or you're having some kind of spiritual, you know, phenomenon take place. Come on, Neophyte Bokor. I almost forgot you were on the phone line, beloved. Yeah, it's all right. Quite all right. Um, I just wanted to expand on some of that, um, if I can, because, uh, again, traveling this country and being able to get into some of these different environments where uh, deep within the ground you have different elements, uh, the oil fields, um, even in when you get into like Arizona, where you get a lot of the different minerals, or it are still abundant in the in the ground. Um, you get up to uh, New Mexico, where there is literally a lava field that stretch, stretches out for about 200 miles, and you can drive through. Um, the more you become accustomed to being in these areas, the more you become attuned with um, how your uh, awareness uh, stretches when you're in, uh, when you're around certain elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've said before, as I, I, I lose service when I go through um, the ley lines, when I pass through certain parts in El Paso, um, Texas, um, leaving outside of El Paso, there, there's definitely a triangle of, uh, of different ley lines that come together, and it will drop out your service, mainly because you're dealing with radio waves and bandwidths, and your body is affected by that. Understanding your chakras is, is very um, useful, but uh, by all means, if anybody is new to the chakra system, don't just stop with understanding one chakra or two or even seven Understand that that is still only the beginning of the chakra system itself and understand what organ is um, connected with that chakra so that you can understand what it feels like when it's being activated, how you can become aware of it. 
it's just like your fingertips all coming together at different points of your body. These nerve endings come together, and electricity still is responsible for the feeling that you get inside of your body and out. So when you're going through these different um, waves, or let's put it, um, let's make it really plain. If you're if you're near an airport, there's a lot of different radio waves and frequencies that are going around your airport. You're gonna get choked up because your third chakra is being blocked by the radio waves that are be, that are uh, prevalent as they're trying to guide planes in. Mm-hmm. Your sympathetic chakra is going to be activated forcibly, and you're not going to feel too good, right? Then you go out into a mountainous region where your crown chakra is going to be highly elevated because you're away from all of the lower frequencies. The lower frequencies are going to be at lower elevations. I mean, this is, um, I mean, this is um, right there in your basic science. When dealing with, uh, with when dealing with light itself, light is the same as uh, sound. When you start dealing with that, it all is a wave. Yeah. Even particles respond in a wave. So you're 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 definitely activating colors, light frequencies. And uh, even your, your rainbow. Areas. Even those mm-hmm. open areas um, that we call desert or parts of Oklahoma, you know, um, Arizona, you know, Montana, with just miles of just, you know, quote-unquote open land. Um, we never know what lies beneath the ground either, you know, water or right. mineral deposits or things that, that really shape, you know, and shift the energy. Um, to my cousins, I've never said this before, Oloye, um, but I was in the military in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, Um I visited Lawton, Oklahoma, that, you know, and there was a very different energy out there, you know, when I was on that base. Uh, it affected my dreams. Um, that's another area outside of Los Angeles that I've had, you know, what I believe to be alien or extraterrestrial uh, contact or, or messaging from. Um, and, and I know that that's a, a still a, a, a little understood part of the country, you know, from a, a spiritual perspective, you know, Mary. I know that the indigenous people held a great deal of that land where you are now, yes. you know, as Correct. either sacred or, or cursed, depending on the activity, you know, that took place there. Indeed. Uh, the, what they deem as the five civilized tribes, you know, um, and, and many of the others, of course, have been out here. Uh, many had made, of course, the the uh, trip from the East Coast with the Trail of Tears out here. So there's many that were originally East Coast uh, communities uh, that wound up here in Oklahoma. I think I spoke one point that Oklahoma was said to be the land where the free blacks uh, were to come to get the 40 acres. And so, you know, we're looking at, at, at that. Um, we look at Oklahoma being in that territory time, being a place uh, with Texas, right, New Mexico, and, mm-hmm. and all, uh, Mexico and all of that. 
all of that being this land, you know, uh, down all the way down. And so we're looking at significant ancestry there. When I look at certain areas, always get blasted more on these tornadoes and, and all of that than others. And so I look and I say to myself, what happened to our Native uh, family in these areas? Because to me, it is the spirit of anger in those ancestors that are sending a message as to why they destroy everything in those areas. And some other areas don't really get hit nearly, nearly as heavy. So for me, I'm totally not surprised. That's only an hour away from me. So, you know, I'm totally not surprised, especially when you drive down there from Oklahoma City down to Lawton. I often, when I'm driving down, envision these Native people in the, in the, uh, in the hills when, you, when I'm driving down there. I'm often seeing them watch or, like, look out to, to the road, even when I'm driving on, on, from Oklahoma City down to Texas, and you see certain areas where it's wide open or where it's hills, and I often am viewing them watching and not happy at all. So, you know, it is not surprising to me that, especially since we have native ancestry within us, mm-hmm. that, you know, we have that connection uh, with our ancestors, with our native ancestors, and, and they might be, some of that energy come through us, directly through us, uh, and affect, affect in our thoughts subconsciously affect some of the things that go on. Why certain storms are, are never to be near us? There's a lot of times I go to Olaf before these storms start hitting, and I'm grateful. That's right, more Oklahoma. Absolutely get blasted every single time. But yet Norman really does not, and then up a little bit further up in Oklahoma City, only certain areas might get touched a little bit deeper than, than others. It was very, very interesting to me when I when when we go through storm season. I myself don't really get too worried. I do my ebo, I do my prayers, I make my offering. I'm good. But, you know, in certain areas, yes. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. You have community here who does the same. You know, they make their air balls. They might do a public uh, prayer, public demonstration you know, of a ritual, um, not only before hurricane season, which officially started June 1st, by the way, uh, but, but particularly when certain hurricanes are coming and look like they might threaten the area. Uh, and I've indeed seen and felt and experienced um, the energy of the people at the collective sort of shift and move storm, interact with storm. I've seen mm-hmm. storms come through that, you know, for lack of better words, I knew that couldn't be prevented, you know, or blocked. Uh, as you said, the ancestors are upset, n- nature is upset, God, you know, the creators are, are upset, you know, and indeed they're targeting certain certain regions. Uh, many, of many of us feel those um, Hurricanes that come, you know, through the Middle Passage from West Africa, yes. from those storms to, to the southern region of the United States, 
are full of the the anger and vitriol and 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 uh, in some cases madness. You know, in in response to you know enslavement, uh, that trail of tears. You know, our, our people were a part of that that trail of tears. Uh, that's one of the early stories that I heard being told in, in my family about that trail of tears, particularly from Florida going west, and somehow we ended up right around Bogalusa. Uh and, and, and not many of my family went much further west than that, that we are aware of, that we know of. And then subsequently a portion went as far west as uh, Weed, California, uh, at the foot of Mount Shasta, which another great experience I need to share one day. <laughs> you know, on the show, actually uh, living on and visiting and having a party, you know, it was 1976 you know, when I was in Weed, California, at the foot of uh, Mount Shasta, and, and how that affected dreams, visions, um, spirit manifestation, you know, around me and, and around others, you know, who, who were part of, you know, sort of that journey. So um, I can't wait for that you one. You know, sacred land, someone questioned the, the viability of sacredness, sacred land, sacred space in the space of things shifting, you know, and changing, modernizing, and industrializing, you know, in some cases militarizing, you know, and whatnot. And so the ability to create sacred space but also be aware of that space that already exists in nature that allows us to, to grow and to evolve and to really see acts of magic take place first within us and, and then in our outward, you know, existence um, um, every day. I like to collect elements, and, you know, and, and I'm sure many of you do as well. You know, a, a jar of water from a particular river, you know, rainwater, storm water. you know, I, I have that ability to collect here. Um, and even in that, in the usage of that charged uh, water or that charged dirt, or that charred stone is really empowering, but also almost magical, the type of responses that, I, that I've seen manifest in people and around people. And in some cases, they have no idea what it is or where it came from, you know, or, or how I prepared it, you know, and yet you still see almost in a scientific way that consistency of, of change, of cleansing, of, of breaking strongholds of getting free. So so I question sometimes, um, and fortunately not very often, um, you know, the client who sort of struggles through, and, and I ask, uh, you know, are you doing the work? Are you doing the homework? And, and sometimes it's hard to gauge what people are doing in another state, in another town. So I ask for a lot of pictures. Some of my, you know, chat members, Arisha, Arisha sent me pictures every four days you know, of, of her shrine work and what she's doing and and sort of how she's operating, you know, in that in that realm. Because it is a science. It is an art. Uh, it, it can be magical. You know, it, it can produce, you know, supernatural events, you know, to take place. But I think we are hardwired. Uh, Neophyte Boku was talking about biological, um, what's the word you use, beloved? Uh, it, it's a biological wiring for us to be godlike, 
for us to manifest these higher elements. And in previous shows, I've introduced the idea that it's extraterrestrial, that indeed if we go back far enough, you know, our ancestors lead to the sky and quite possibly well-developed, you know, entities, you know, that don't mirror our, our reality, that exist inter- or intra-dimensionally, you know, from where we, we live, you know, and, and are able to sort of cross that threshold, you know, through a wormhole or whatever, sort of infrequently. And then we, you know, claim that that individual who has had that experience to sort of be a prophet, you know, to, to, to sort of be called. We can't hear you. Uh, can you hear me now? Oh, wait a minute. Hello? It's my fault. Okay. I, I okay. can hear you. Have you ever thought of oh, okay. a connection that those that we deem with mental health issues sometimes have a very, very deep connection with spirit that sometimes the messages that we deem as these crazy messages in actuality have a very strong level of truth and they they become very lucid when they talk to you then they might go back to to the struggles or challenge and if it is a struggle or challenge it could just be a more lifted up divine connection that they have have you ever thought that for some of them, there is a divinity that is within them. For us in Ifa, they have the, the connection with Obatala. So Obatala is the one that covers them. When we find one that has disability or we find one that has a mental struggle or challenge, it is Obatala that is their covering. So it's with that being said, it's very interesting sometimes, and and I take the time to listen to them. I take the time, the moment, just to lay back and to listen to them. While others are making fun or whatever they're yeah. doing, I take the moment to listen to them. Because spirit then gives us messages through sometimes the most uncanny ways. And then if we're humble and we're obedient, we learn a lesson from them that others bypass or they, they don't even understand. That's right. Even their magical book right. says, be sure that you uh, are not entertaining angels unaware. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. I was always taught that you absolutely never know who it is that's approaching you and the lesson or the message that might be given to you. I was always taught, carry some singles in your in your wallet all the time. Because you never know, it might be a person that's asking you for money, but you gotta also listen to how many times that they're asking. Take a look sometimes at the colors that they're wearing. It might open up insight to the very energy that's approaching you. And then sometimes when you humble yourself and you show kindness and gratitude 
and humbleness, and you give them something, sometimes, and I also ask them to pray for me. Pray for me, too. You know, here, pray for me, okay? And then, have you ever noticed that maybe a few days later, something beautiful happens in your life? Where there's a connection. There's a spiritual connection to that. I'm not saying all the time, but I'm saying we must be alert and, and attuned to their, their energy as well. Because their energy, as we talk about a baby's energy being very close spiritually, their energy as back in our field, in our, in our tradition, our wisdom, Baobatala brings wisdom, light, it brings tranquility, it brings all of the realms of Obatala. So be mindful. Don't don't just disregard what they say. Listen closely. Listen closely. Sometimes there's great uh, great uh, answers or great wisdom in what they say. Just like alcoholics. We sit there and judge them. But yet sometimes those gentlemen or ladies give you the most divine uh, uh, wisdom you could have ever gotten from anybody else that you deem as normal. Yeah. Being from the city, I understand the magic of winos and, mm-hmm. and elders who, who look like winos. <laughs> uh, come on, Neophyte, of course, speak up for me. Oh, yes. See, I also have a, an experience with, um, and I, I like making sure that I, I ground myself in, in science. That way, um, for those that are skeptical, there is little ground for you to maneuver on how the, spirit, uh, the spiritual um, science works. If your home is not grounded, the amount of positive energy that is um, free roaming in your home will have a negative effect on you because that positive feed coming into your home needs to ground to something. And guess what? It's going to ground to you. It's not going to electrocute you, not unless you go and touch something you're not supposed to or plug something into something that you're not supposed to. But um, that energy still is enveloping it will it will uh permeate all of your your living spaces all of your living environment and all of that positive energy only attracts the negative that's why it always seems like it's it's so dark and heavy in in your home you know understand that this is your this is not not just your sacred space, your living space and everything, but scientifically you have to make sure that even uh, your, your, your safe space is protected and grounded the way it's supposed to be. Not, I mean, not just your soul needs to be grounded, but your home needs to be grounded too. It's a safety um, issue that I, I've lived in a home where the electricity that was being fed into the home was not grounded because of the owner not wanting to um, go through certain protocols, but it had a spiritual effect where everybody was always at odds with each other. Everybody was always uncomfortable. Everybody always had some sort of angst against each other. 
it put mm-hmm. a whole family that was that was loving and caring to each other and broke them completely apart. And he's trying to figure out why. And then when you bring it up, it just sounds crazy. It just sounds yeah. like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. There's verses of Ephraim that tell you, you must clean this or clean your home, that the eyes of women are residing in your home. And the reason why you're having conflict in this and that is because the eyes of women are sitting there hiding or sitting there in, in, in so you, you go back and you deep clean your home. Have you ever felt the energy get lighter when you clean the room? You know, clean the house. And so it brings a whole energetic change. So everything that that uh, that that the brother said, as well as understand that spiritually and energetically, there, that, that there can be the negative energies that reside there until you wipe them. And there, there's a there's a magic to how you clean from the what is it the back to the front and then out the door. And there's certain things like when we do and we, we blow certain things out the door to keep that away or to attract another level of energy in. So you know, mm-hmm. I I think that there's a lot to these these aspects that we must just take hold to. Our parents or our elders, our ancestors used to tell us, you need to go clean your house. You need to go clean your closet. If your closet is a wreck and it's got clutter all over the place, you're holding Ajibun. They have a place to be. You see all these issues and struggles because your, 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 your stuff is cluttered, and that brings clutter to your life. So just a couple of things that also add to what we're talking about. Yeah? Uh, yes. And, and what it is that you clean with. Yeah. What is it that you're cleaning with? Luckily, I have a mortal kitty here, uh, uh, Sister Cat, who has her own stuff that she makes. So I get it from her. Then I might add some, some of the, the Florida water and be praying into that water before I start cleaning. Because energetically, I want the cleansing and clearing. She talked about cleansing and clearing. Yeah. The cleansing and clearing of Ajahn, of negative energy, negative spirit, to move out of this house, out of my temple. And sometimes, so there's a lot that we do. Sometimes, Grandma would sweep around your own, your, your own front doorstep. That's right. Before you sweep around mine. Mm-hmm. That's know. right. I wanted to answer um, Anthony X's question about uh, Simbi spirits, and then I wanted to answer um, uh, the next question was, oh, Roger Smith, well, maybe we'll do it in reverse. Roger Smith wanted to know how to learn about Orisha and the spiritual practices. Um, I think that's best done through a active, authentic Arisha priest or Babalao who's operating in Ifa, who's operating in Orisha. We in Louisiana Voodoo absolutely deal with Orisha, but we don't deal with Orisha the same way they do in Lukumi or Santeria or Nago tradition, um, for that matter. 
And the first question was the importance of symbi spirits. In, in voodoo, symbi spirits uh, represent two kinds of, of spirits. First, dead twins. So, you know, you, a, a woman is pregnant with twins. Maybe one lives and one doesn't. That creates a symbi or symbiotic connection. The second choice is where two souls or two spirits are knit together, often in a past life, in a past existence, and then they are now working together, typically as, as hogans or vokors or, or voodoo practitioners. Um, and, and it's traditionally men who work together. Um, right now, I can't think I've ever seen a demonstration uh, of a woman working in, in, in a symbi-like possession. It's typically men and their powers their energies will come together, and that creates a greater uh, sacred space. That creates a greater connection to spirit. Uh, they're able to heal. They're able to, to, to mix certain combinations of herbs and, and, and potions together together, and, and produce a result that they might not be able to produce similarly, singularly, you know, or individually uh, on their own. Semi can often be, you know, embedded in, in doll work or statuary or other implements that sort of unify these two people, these two forces together. Um, my house is actually a Simbi house. I, I just don't talk about it a whole lot. A lot of people aren't even aware of what Simbi and, and many of the other uh, Loa families, because many of these uh, Loa, including Gede, exist as a family of spirits that individually serve very different purposes. But, but symbi are twin souls, twin spirits, sometimes created out of, out of death. You know, one twin survives, the other doesn't survive. Uh, I think in Nigeria, among the Yoruba, sometimes you see women tie an ibeji to their back or keep an ibeji in their, in their clothing. You see the same thing in Togo, Benin. And they have to treat the Ibeji as similarly as they do the living child to keep the negative uh, energy from the child who didn't survive. You know, and they describe it as, you know, jealousy or envy or some sense of isolation or neglect. And then that affects the living. That affects the living. So they treat the Ibeji like they do the, the living child. Um, either on the shrine work or even actively in other forms of, of Ebo to prevent any negative transfer back from that child they, who didn't survive into the, the living world. Do they do that with older as well? Like if, a, if twins, you know, maybe at a, a lower stage, teenage stage or late early 20s or whatever, you know, the, the case might be, is that also in, in, that, realm, in that stage as well? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll see um, uh, someone who's maybe lost a child, a grown woman working with mm-hmm. Ibeji. You see men working with Ibeji because they're also seen as uh, drawers of IJ or luck uh, and prosperity. Uh, I know some people who are fearful of um, not just um, Ibeji, but uh, the, 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 what they're called in, in Akan. Um, they typically have a round face uh, and then have arms and then have a body. 
uh, very similar to Ebeji, but but in a con, they're called. Um, oh wow, they're often generalized as fertility dolls in English, but they have another name in a con that, for whatever reason, escapes me right now. But they're, the the power of these objects are so well known, and particularly in Louisiana, you really can't play with a, a Ebeji or, or one of these uh, Fonte or con dolls around most women who are aware of what they do. Um, they, they, they incite, they create pregnancy, you know, so if you're trying to get pregnant, you might carry, you know, an Ebeji. You might rub an Ebeji on, on your stomach. Um, so some women here fear the next pregnancy or ain't trying to have no other kids. I've seen a room cleared out of women just because somebody brought, you know, a, a real Ebeji into the room. So that power translated through the Middle Passage, still exists in Louisiana and Mississippi uh, to some degree. Um, they, they do treat sort of the rag dolls with a, a greater degree of safety. Uh, I've never seen anybody sort of plead a room when a rag doll was, was produced. But certainly the wood carved, um, I'm still trying to pull that word out of my memory, uh, the wood carved Ebeji's, the wood carved Akuba. That's what it is. It's called an Akuba doll. Akuba mm-hmm. doll. Um, flat, flat face usually. Sometimes they're three-dimensional, but they're often flat and round, uh, and then some kind of stylized arms and, and some kind of stylized body. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you'll see them often in tragedy. If a child dies, particularly if a twin dies, um, you'll see them for prosperity among men and women to draw certain blessings, the, the gift of children, the, the gift of more money, the gift of more resources to support, you know, the children. And in indigenous culture here in Louisiana, Mississippi, Mississippi Delta, um, you also see that with corn among the Native Americans. Corn is also seen and symbolized um, as many children. And, and, you know, when we do uh, Kwanzaa, Dr. Karanga wrote uh, corn into the, the implements of uh, Kwanzaa. Um, I think he calls them Mazeo in, in Swahili. Uh, and they are supposed to represent the generations, the children, the, the children to come. Uh, and if your corn cob loses corn after Kwanzaa, naturally it falls off. Uh, it's supposed to represent coming child, coming children. I know some of y'all ain't never heard that before. But, but yeah, so we use a lot of corn, multicolored Indian corn in my house, in Black Hawk voodoo tradition, in masking Mardi Gras Indian tradition, um, and it's treated very similarly here locally uh, the way uh, many in the community treat the Akuba doll or, or the Beiji. you either trying to get pregnant, you either trying to receive that energy, or they're running from it, <laughs> you know. For whatever personal reason, you know, that a woman might not want more kids or might not like the sound of, you know, having more kids, you know, at an unexpected season of of her life. So um, humorously, in all due respect, it's a bit of a party favor. You know, you know, a sister might bring one out at a party just just to see how the women in the room, you know, are going to respond to it. And that's a very New Orleans thing. Um, and, and that's why I love New Orleans. <laughs> you know, these traditions and these cultures still survive. Um, 
People are very careful about angering children. Um, adopting children who are in distress is a very common thing here in, in our city, particularly when we start looking back, you know, a few generations. It's not quite the same today, you know, as it was 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. But if a child was in danger, someone took that child, either a family member, somebody in the neighborhood, and, and then what no, you know, child protective services and, you know, getting legal you know, all that wasn't even a, a requirement. If someone wanted the child and, and was going to take better care of the child, then they removed that child, you know, from the abusive environment, you know, from the troubled, you know, scenario. Um, so how children are buried, how children are taken care of, how children are protected, is it, still deeply ingrained in, in Louisiana, Mississippi Delta, voodoo. Um, so you'll see childlike items, you know, in the shrine. Um, of, of course, Eshu, Legba, Ilegua are also sort of incorporated into that, into that equation. There's a general understanding that Legba guards and protects and defends, you know, children, uh, whether in the house or, or in the street. So often people sell that little toy, that little ball, you know, they'll say that's for Lakeba, they say that's for, for SU. But it's also for the disgruntled children. And that might be harder for many people to discuss, you know, mm-hmm. aborted child, um, child that they lose through, um, what do you call it? Um, help me out, tune when a woman loses a child, uh, preterm for some medical reason. Miscarriage. Yeah, miscarriage. Um, heaven forbid a child is murdered, you know, or, or killed by accident or, or energy. Uh, those energies are handled very differently. Th- mm-hmm. Those dead are handled very differently to ensure that those spirits don't become troublesome. So even when you walk around with some of these tour guides uh, and they're talking about ghost stories, some of the most frightful ones um, involve children. Even in the telling of, of Madame LaLaurie, some of you were introduced to her through, through uh, American Horror Story, but this is a true story, um, who murdered slaves, mutilated slaves, used their blood, used their body parts, you know, out of some sense of beautifying or out of some personal satisfaction. Who knows why, you know, somebody does, you know, something that, that egregious. But, but it's often the haunting of the children and the younger people that, that are, are, are most talked about, you know, and, and tend to show up and spook people the most uh, when they come here and sort of creep around that house and that part of the French Quarter and, and hear the telling of that, of that story. Even as a bit of a ghost detector myself, um, I often feel children the strongest, the loudest the most present, because typically a, a child is going to move on to the next to the next phase, to the next round. It's not going to have a lot of the, the attachments that often older people have. Uh, so often if a child's spirit lingers, there's some kind of trauma attached to it. There's some kind of shadow work, you know, uh, attached to it. The child, the mother, the circumstances you know, upon which the child, you know, sort of passed through. So Simbi, um, even as magicians, 
Anthony X are, are seem to be a little bit frightful in both Haiti and Louisiana voodoo, uh, only because their powers seem to be so heightened, so great. And so they're often called on to handle imprisonment, jail, um, egregious legal and, and judicial, you know, injustices. Um, certainly things like a Tulsa, you know, would have Simbi-like um, Loa and, 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 and even Simbi-like Gede, you know, uh, attached to it. So um, I know I went deep with that, but that's the first time I think I've ever discussed Simbi at all in the 12 years that I've, I've done this show. Um, and I consider myself a bit of a, I don't know, specialist in the area of, of Simbi. I've had to work with Simbi um, a great deal over the course of my of my ministry. So I appreciate the opportunity. I want to add, I remember you spoke, uh, Divine, about, um, I believe earlier in the show about you were told that we only use about 70% of our brain. Um, it reminded me um, of a very, very interesting movie um, and a very powerful movie that I saw called Lucy. And I don't remember the lady's name, uh, the white lady that played in it, but I know it also had uh, Morgan Freeman. And if you uh, have the opportunity, if you have not seen it, I think that that would be a really uh, interesting movie for you to watch or anyone. I, I would, anyone that can get a hold of that movie because it deals with the percentage of the brain and things that something that was created to help a person actually access um, a different uh, or more areas of the brain. And the, the movie itself was absolutely crazy, but it was really good. It makes you think it is deep. If you really watch it and pay attention, it is so much deeper than what it looks. But that movie is something so I, I definitely recommend that. Okay, uh, uh, Gabby, yes, um, and particularly where violence, domestic violence, issues around love, relationships, home life, children, yes, um, and, and and I say this all the time to my clients. You know the is, the illusion, illusion of an issue, a block, a complication. It's often being pushed forward by your ancestors first because they've had an human incarnation. They know what relationships are. They know what love is. They know what hate is. They understand our human experience. And so often your ancestors will get involved when there's a problem, when there should be a break, where there should be a divorce, where there should be some intervention, where, where there should be some elders you know, within the dynamics of the family in the circle. And when that doesn't happen or there aren't elders present or there isn't family members present, they definitely can then show up in real-world events, you know, in our homes, in our circles, and are pushing you away from that scenario, are pushing you and away from you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And protecting you. Especially if you're talking about 
the, 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 the thing of her face being in that area, that's saying that she's there with you and that she's looking that, you know, looking to protect you, but also that you have to make wise choices in order for you to do that work to protect yourself as well. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, um, there is that distinction between Marasa and Simbi. And, and Simbi can be in water, Simbi can be in the marshland, Simbi can be in, in the bayou, Simbi can exist, you know, as a physical connection. Um, most certain. Marasa tends to be more practitioners who are pulling from that that dual um, polarity, that dual energy. Uh, but yeah, you're right, and, and there's still that that distinction. Um, Gabby and any others who are listening, I have to say this because I know we we've run out of time. Um, please, please, please listen to your ancestors. When they're calling your attention to these relationships, people are under a great deal of stress. People have always been under a great deal of stress, PTSD, uh, past unhealed abuses, past unhealed shadow work. And this year or more of pandemic and isolation and dramatic force change has really pushed some people to the limit. And it's showing up in relationships, partnerships, marriages, scenarios with roommates, housemates. Please get out. Get out as soon as possible. If you need help, ask for help. If you haven't let anybody know, let somebody know. Talk to your parents, your elders, their parents, their elders. Don't feel like you have to walk through this together. I'm particularly burdened right now with requests primarily from women who want to return to, who want to rejoin with someone that's already demonstrated themselves to be violent, domestically violent or out of control domestically, verbally abusive. Some of you don't associate, you know, verbal abuse, demeaning, belittling with with abuse. That's abuse. I don't want to hear, well, he doesn't hit me. Well, but he's damaged your self-esteem. He's drugged you down to the floor. And, and I'm most troubled by the women who are trying to reconnect, who are trying to reconnect. Often, I've said this before, I often don't let people talk like the first 30 minutes of, of a divination, much like this show. And I'm speaking, and, and the spirit is coming out, and I'm reading the shells. I'm reading, you know, the the the, the sign, the Odu that that's fallen, and then they start confirming. Yeah, you're right because, and then they start confirming all these abusive scenarios. As a descendant of that, as a child who went through that, it's a horror story for me every day to hear that, to see that. And I often end up asking the question, why? You want to reconnect with this person, why? The same person who doesn't respect you, who's degraded you, who dehumanized you. And, yes, sometimes the answer is, well, you know, we got kids. No, you're not staying for the kids. In fact, the kids are absorbing the negativeness that you aren't talking about, that you aren't sharing, but you're carrying around in your body. 
in your energy, in your spirit. If there's therapy, active therapy to seek, seek it out. Seek it out. But, but once it's clear that your partner is out of control, you've got to get out. You, you've got to get out. I'm talking to uh, co- people collectively, but I'm also speaking to very specific individuals right now. You, you've got to get out. And, and I can't tell you what, going back to how we carry energy from our, our divinations and our readings, I can't tell you what that does to me. Sometimes I get off the phone and I just be exasperated. And I have to scream sometimes. What, get back with that why. Reconnect with that why. You know, there's always an option. Am I wrong, Otan? There's always an option. Not wrong at all. Absolutely. So I had to say that. Yeah, I had to get that out. Know that we're here for you, any one of us. Uh, let me scroll contact information. Um, please do like, subscribe to the show, both on the YouTube platform, but also on my blog talk radio platform, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. Please do support and communicate with our beloved cousins, first Oloye Ifawole, Oladeji Ifatande, chief priest of Ile Isheshe, Oladeji, also Inner Consciousness Spiritual Center, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, Ile Ifa Oladeji at gmail.com. Please do acknowledge, show support, show respect. The Ile is Ile Isheshe Oladeji. Um, oh, no, that's your username. Okay, the Gmail is the address. I think that's your username that came after. Forgive me for that. I'm going to clean that up. And, of course, my beloved cousin, Otan, Ifa Tomiwa, and her Armored and Grace organization, ministry, healing practice, empowerment center. <laughs> All that God would have her to do with us and for us. And know that you're never alone in any of this. Know that you're never alone in any of this. And I look forward to meeting you all here again at high noon U.S. Standard U.S. Central, high noon U.S. Central Standard Time for now another powerful edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Ashe and Odabu. Thank you all again for a powerful broadcast and taking the time out in the middle of your day to be present. Uh, I will say sometimes I feel just a little guilty because I can't get up at 6 in the morning, bro. It was, I didn't get to bed till like 10 and I, and I still set an alarm and said you know I'm going to make this meditation I'm going to make this class I'm for sure going to make yours tomorrow but I want to make this business today you know as well but man I, my she did well Okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad yeah so I'm, I've never been a morning person ever so, I mean, it was a struggle getting up. I was like, 
this wasn't for Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I absolutely want to show community support. I don't I don't want to make it look like I'm only interested in people showing up, you know, to uh, my stuff. And there are many other organizations you all probably already know that I'm already Zooming with, you know. I'm already Zooming with the House of LaBeja on Sunday nights. That, that's usually four, not Sunday, Thursday night. That's usually uh, four or five hours sometimes. Um, my mama Zooms, then her community Zooms, and you want to kind of at least show some support, you know, even if you mash your face, you, mm-hmm. you still want to show up. But, man, 6 o'clock in the morning is just very difficult for me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing my best to try and see if I can't do it and maybe go back to sleep and take a nap afterwards or something. I don't know. But I got to figure out a way to balance it um, where it doesn't throw off me showing up at noon. Uh, yeah, it's only for one day. It's, it's just one day uh, of um, of doing it. After this, you know, uh, if I do one from 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 me uh, with our temple, then I'll probably do it like around seven in the morning here, which is eight o'clock in the morning throughout something like that. Not at six though. Not at six though. Yeah. Even seven is a stretch. <laughs> in the morning, like really, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I'm up usually. Um, I absolutely no later than nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. My business would allow me really to sleep past nine o'clock. So mm-hmm. nine o'clock is late in the morning for me. Uh, but whew, seven, eight, and then it has to be visible and to be together, and it, yeah, that's a lot for me. But sometimes I don't wake up till 30 minutes. No, I mean, I'm up and moving around, but I don't wake up until 30 minutes before we come on air mm-hmm. at noon, especially if I didn't have a, a consultation earlier in the morning. And, mm-hmm. and I'm allowed to just be quiet and to be, you know, in my spirit. It, it takes a great effort for me to then pull up out of that to sort of be on camera. And the same thing on the movie set, you know, Sometimes they have early, early morning calls. But then mm-hmm. we won't get before the camera for four or five hours. So mm-hmm. I go somewhere and go to sleep. So a blanket over my head and a chair, I've, I've done it all, you know, and go to sleep and, and, and allow my body to sort of, you know, come through naturally. So I did want to say that I have every intention to have been at her, at her uh, broadcast. I just couldn't make it. It's all good. <laughs> and I'm gonna try I got there a few minutes late, and she was just happy I showed up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to make yours in the morning. No worries. No worries. <laughs> but don't be, don't be angry if I'm not there. I ain't going to be at all. Yeah. I, I got to set my alarm extra early. <laughs> and Otan, you're moving forward. You got business cards. Uh-huh. And you got business cards and... Well, they're, they're on the way. Okay. So they're, they're still. You need to add your phone number to, to the, for the, you know, besides the email. The, uh, oh, the okay. The yeah. number that you got. It's on my um, business card, yeah. I have to, I haven't memorized it yet. So okay. Yeah, my number is very easy to find. It is also on Google Maps. But I don't often give it out. Because I because I'm encouraging people to email me, you know. So 
it's a matter of choice. If you want your phone to ring all day, you know, my phone will not be ringing all day. Well, you say that now. How much of a blessing are you asking God for? And you saying that? <laughs> you saying that now? And, and when I first started, I didn't see this as you know, okay, this is going to be a career. Oh, this is going to take over my life. I didn't see that at first. I, I really didn't. And so I've had to grow. As the business has grown, I have had to personally grow. Uh, of course, my administrative skills, my business skills, I keep having to evolve that, how I handle certain interactions. I have to keep evolving that. But I never thought it would be um, to the caseload that it is. So be careful what you ask for, beloved. Mm-hmm. Because we praying for you, bro. And you share a bloodline with me, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook. And boy. All day, all night. <laughs> Sister, can you help me? It's coming. Mm-hmm. Your broadcast is still going? Yeah, I'm about to end it. Yeah, we can be heard on radio if that's what you mean. Yeah, I'm about to end it. I'm not going to do a whole lot of extra talking today. Unless you had something you wanted to discuss. It- I could always call you back later. Okay? She got that look. Yeah. That's a scary look. I don't know who that look is for. Who who that look for? uh, Divine or or for me? No one in particular. I'll talk to you. you I'll talk to you, Baba Loye, after we hang up. Okay. Okay. All right. And I'll be in touch with you um, a little bit later today, if not tomorrow. Okay. Peace All right, guys. Um, okay. Thank you so much, Blog Talk Radio. Um, you won't hear a lot of background today. <laughs> We're going to move forward. Thank you so much for your consistent listenership and participation. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, 
we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be be we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance. Be Banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget even when we can't remember the specifics we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget, 
even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.